Another new artist from Ukraine, at least new to Nasholos, that was Marena i Compania, Marena and Company, and Spivanka Prosusida, Song About a Neighbor. Dobry večer i vitaju vas vsih dorhi radio suhiči na radio programu Nasholos, radio Krinskoho Korinja, na bahatumovni radio stansi AM 1320 CHMB u misci Vancouveri. Pri mikrofoni Pavlina, djakuju što rišale parabute zimnoju na stupnu hodenu. Hello there, and welcome to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Paula demchuk Makori Pukrinska Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. On today's program, we have Cultural Capsule with Vasil Pavlovsky, who will tell us about the Ukrainian roots of one of America's most famous pop culture icons. As well, Jean Berezovsky of Ukraine War Amps will join us for a two-part interview on the war in Ukraine and how Ukraine War Amps is supporting defenders of Ukraine and how you can help too. And as usual, our proverb of the week, other items of interest and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is uh, Oldie But Goodie. This is a song of Tarashevchenko's uh, lyrics put to music by a group called Litava, and it is called Od Salah Do Salah from Village to Village. <laughs> Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for the past 60 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing artists and arts groups, museums, 
cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nasholos listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit www.shevchenkofoundation.ca. I'm Vasily Pavlovsky, and welcome to Cultural Capsule here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Ukrainians have had many different impacts on the world of culture and the arts over a long period of time. In the mid to late 1950s, a new art form emerged. It came to be known as the era of pop art. Today's personage, Andrew Varhola Jr., made quite a contribution to this form. His iconic images of the Campbell's soup cans and his work of Marilyn Monroe are etched in the minds of many who grew up in the 1960s and 70s. Most know him as Andy Warhol. He was one of four children of Lemko immigrants to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His mother was extremely active in the arts. Leading up to Easter, she was always actively involved in the art of pisankarstvo, the art of writing Easter eggs, though she was often involved in needlepoint on Lemko and religious themes. She also created floral displays, tin cans, and corrugated cardboard. Warhol himself had spoken to some of his early childhood health issues where he was often bedridden due to some illness related to scarlet fever. Warhol later described this period as very important in the development of his personality, skill set, and preferences. At the age of 13, Warhol lost his father in an accident. As someone who lost my father in my teens, I can understand how his mother may have had such an influence in his life. Warhol studied commercial art at the Carnegie Institute of Technology, now known as Carnegie Mellon University. He became actively involved in his field and served as art director of the student art magazine known as Kano in the late 1940s. In 1949, Warhol earned his degree as a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Pictorial Design. Following his graduation, Warhol left for New York to start a career as an illustrator for the magazine industry. His first big gig was an illustrator for Israel Miller, a shoe manufacturer, though he took on many different roles in the creative sphere. His name changed to Andy Warhol apparently was due to a typographical error in some publication, though Andriy Varhola also had a second nickname that is not so well known. It was Drella, a combination formed from Dracula and Cinderella. During the mid to late 1960s, Warhol had managed the Velvet Underground and Nico, with the two lead performers by the names of Lou Reed and John Cale, who are still known to this day. After Warhol's death due to complications after gallbladder surgery on February 22, 1987, the two main artists of the Velvet Underground came together to create an album entitled Songs for Drella. Warhol had created a workshop which was known as The Factory, which for a period of time used to produce his style of art at quite a rate, though there was an assassination attempt on him by a woman who felt he was taking up too much space. The gunshot wounds he suffered may have contributed to his later demise. Andriy Varhola was a very interesting and creative artist in a period when many post-war Ukrainians were settling in Canada and the United States. In 2014, two caring Canadians in Toronto, by the names of John Broadhead and Jean Berezovsky, founded Ukraine War Amps. They were deeply concerned about the well-being and lack of treatment for Ukrainian soldiers injured while defending their country against Russian aggression. 
For the next eight years, Ukraine War Amps would provide much-needed assistance for wounded Ukrainian veterans and families of the fallen. Then in February last year, Russia ramped up its aggression in the east to a full-scale war against civilians all across Ukraine, bombing homes, hospitals, schools, vital infrastructure that provides citizens with basic necessities such as water, heat, and electricity, and even moving human targets in humanitarian corridors attempting to flee danger zones. Now more than ever, volunteers are stepping up to assist the Ukrainian military in protecting civilians from Russian military and mercenaries. These include many veterans who Ukraine War Amps has been helping since 2014. Despite losing limbs, they considered themselves recovered sufficiently from their injuries to be able to return to battle. Recently, I had the privilege and honor to speak with Jean Berezovsky of Ukraine War Amps to get an update on the situation in Ukraine from their perspective, to find out what Ukraine War Amps is doing to help and how we can all help them to save lives and bring an end to this deadly, needless war. We hadn't spoken in a while, so we started out chit-chatting about the weather even such an innocuous topic was no escape from the realities of this war for very long. You know, winter was relatively mild, and I understand relatively mild because Canada and, and Ukraine and Europe relatively mild. Well, Slava Bohu. Slava Bohu, yeah. So they were able to survive, and yesterday I got pictures from Kiev with the first uh, flowers. Oh. can we call them. Oh, is that cro- like crocuses? I got pictures. I'll send you now. Okay. Picture, right? You tell me what you see. Okay. It's, uh, one of them is easy. It's called crocus, and it's easy guess. <laughs> the second one, little white uh, bells. We have them in Canada too, I believe. Oh, yeah, snowdrops and crocuses. Yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And when I saw the pictures yesterday, <laughs> my second question was, uh, is it safe? to go to forest and is it you know not only safe it's uh, a forest for many it's not just their beauty it's uh food to survive like mushrooms yeah. for yeah. instance yeah and uh, berries too yeah berries gonna start in june and and then uh, later on mushrooms uh some mushrooms actually popping up in spring yes yeah, for many people mm-hmm. it's food and also source for cats because they dry them, they sell them, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, all this sort of business for elderly men and women who early in the morning could go to forest to pick up mushrooms and yeah. stuff and then come in, you know, by 6 a.m., they already on the market. Yeah. So what my relatives say, no, it's not safe. Forest nowadays around Kiev, it's a mining field. Oh. So my relatives, uh, it's kind of southern border of Kiev. So Russians didn't reach there. It was no fighting in that area. But our troops uh, put mines in place just in case. Right. Oh. Yeah. So now every day they say people like civilians dying or got uh, they really wounded the second on mine. Oh, in Harkiv Oblast and all over. Oh. So, yeah, uh, that's oh, a little yeah. bit about spring in Ukraine. Yeah, the good news is they survive. And so will they survive spring and summer, yeah. So I spoke to them yesterday and said, I uh, remember all these surprises of World War II, even in my childhood. Really? So, so my childhood was kind of remote from World War II. Well, yeah, no kidding. And I, I remember huge aviation bomb was found right in my school, on the school uh, play yard where we played soccer. It was a metal piece just stuck out, and uh, kids started digging around because it, it was just a... Uh, interfering with us. Right, yes. And it was a huge aviation bomb that didn't explode. Thank goodness. Yeah, most likely it's Russian aviation bomb. Mm -hmm. I don't see why German wouldn't explode. Good point. You know, and Russians were the major force who did all the bombardment in Kiev, not German. Yeah, yeah. Russians were the ones who destroyed Kiev, not German. Yeah, people don't know that. 
Well, I know, so other know too, but yeah, yeah. Not, it's not a common, yeah, uh, which is part of propaganda, yeah, uh-huh. and which, yeah. and which is why we have this uh, situation now. Yeah, yeah. And just speaking of history, I, I don't think probably I'm the only one that has this idea that Ukraine has been divided left bank, right bank, east, west, um, Austria-Hungarian Empire versus Russian Empire and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the mission happened, but it's more of a propaganda thing representing Ukraine in the eyes of the worldwide society as not united to the country, etc. And that's part of propaganda that Mr. Putin didn't invent. He took it not even from Soviet Union. Stalin didn't invent this propaganda neither. He took it from the Russian Tsar regime. So regimes in Russia make change. But this propaganda towards Ukraine always unchanged. It's the same. This part of their policy and politics towards occupation of Ukraine is untouched. They always position themselves as brothers of Ukrainians. And back in Kiev, we had that stupid monument. I saw it, yeah. Yeah. Errol? And that stupid monument emphasized unity of Ukraine and Russia, but they also tell us that you, Ukrainian, are not unified. <laughs> so, yeah. Make up your you mind. Know, you, you still got you see what I say? They yeah. say um, Lviv is Polish and Kiev is Russian. Mm. And then leave nothing for Ukraine. <laughs> you see what I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not on the map. Yeah, there's no Ukraine then. Yeah, they, that's how they erase Ukraine, and they've been doing that for centuries. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's how the propaganda works. And monument of Khmelnytsky in central Kiev, near Sofia, put there by Russians. Stalin blew up all the Ukrainian history and monuments he wanted. Khmelnytsky got untouched because the monument there put by Russian Tsar. The Soviet Union dictator never touched the monument. Because it was placed by the Russian Tsar. Wow. Propaganda is uh, very deep. And speaking of history, again, most likely, we need to look again into the history and evaluate what we say. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For some reason, the lessons of history are so hard to learn. Jean, for the benefit of listeners who may not be familiar with Ukraine war amps, can you please give us a quick overview of uh, what you're all about, what you've been doing, and how your focus has changed out of necessity since February of last year? Just to um, to repeat ourselves, Ukraine war amps was dealing with support and help to wounded to Ukrainian veterans and uh, families of uh, fallen Ukrainian heroes. Mm-hmm. So, two major projects we we ran through past nine years by now, which is adopt a soldier, where people supported a soldier they adopted, and I care program where or people from all over the world, caring people from all countries, any country, any place in the world, could uh, help a family uh, who lost uh, their breadwinner in this war right. and uh, obviously last year in february everyone realized that we need to do a little bit more to help ukraine uh i guess it was a, a big wake-up call for like 99 percent of the worldwide population and uh, ukraine ramps was not an exception and we also realized that besides helping veterans and wounded and uh, families who lost their breadwinners, we need to help Ukraine to survive under given circumstances. We need to help people who need uh, to evacuate from the front line to escape the occupation, and we need to help our soldiers and fighters and defenders and volunteers you know, who's not running uh, to the Western countries mm-hmm. or Canada and the States, but will actually go, go in towards the enemy. 
to yeah. stop in that. Yeah, yeah. So, program Save Ukraine and um, equip a soldier answering this need. Save Ukraine is a program, and actually, I'm right now wearing uh, wearing uh, Save Ukraine T-shirt mm-hmm. that uh, we we've been uh, selling online and in person to our donor sponsors, volunteers. And Save Ukraine actually addresses needs of the civilian population of mm-hmm. those who try to escape the war and all the atrocities committed by Russian men. Yeah. So uh, within this program, our volunteers taking people from uh, Ukraine's east to Ukraine's west, uh, sometimes to European countries mm-hmm. for the refugees, and uh, in Europe or Western Ukraine, buying uh, food, needed products, clothes, and bringing it back to Ukraine east. So it's uh, all this uh, kind of within one week, uh, a minivan with refugees reaching the west, and then the volunteer comes back uh, with food and clothes. So that requires some um, financial aid sure. to buy food and financial aid uh, to keep the, the volunteer his car running. Diesel, gas, repairs, stuff like that. That's what we do within Save Ukraine. Okay. We save families, not just families who are running from the war, but also families who potentially were frontline, potentially can reach. Or, you know, those who want to evacuate from the Perugia, also it's not, the front line is not there, but families who want to evacuate, soldiers and um, volunteers, and who want uh, their family to get uh, to safety. Mm-hmm. Because uh, sometimes, unfortunately, we get into situation when we support a volunteer or a soldier and his family, his wife, his kids and parents under occupation, and they actually stop suffering there and their life at risk. So, you know, a lot of aspects covered by the uh, Ukraine program. The other one we started running as of March 2022 is a group of soldiers. Right. As we realized the soldiers over winter, they need even simple stuff as the thermal socks or thermal underwear. Right. And uh, stuff like tactical gloves, tactical uh, goggles, stuff like that, which actually available here. It's uh, much harder for them to find it in Ukraine. And even in Eastern Europe, countries like Poland, they're running out of stuff. So within a group of soldiers, we're helping our heroes to defend Ukraine. And by doing so, we're helping them to defend Europe and uh, us in North America as well. Right. So there are news reports all you know on, on the news about lots of government aid, millions, billions of dollars going to Ukraine to help the war effort. Why is it left to Ukraine war arms to get tactical equipment and, and clothing to to defenders? Uh, you know, we started our conversation a little bit with, uh, like, uh, history lessons. Talking about history and how important it could be, although maybe 90% of our time we don't think of history. But some moment it's crucial. I'm speaking with Jean Berezovsky of Ukraine War Amps about the crucial work they're doing to save the lives of Ukrainian defenders of freedom and independence and to help the families of the fallen in this brutal war being waged on their country. In part two of our interview, Jean explains the reason and the need for civilian involvement to ensure victory for the Ukrainian people by sidestepping the ham-fisted meddling and war profiteering of foreign politicians and vested interests. Before then, a station break following a musical interlude by fellow Torontonian Nastya Y, who released a song recently that she wrote explaining why Ukrainians are willing to go without life's necessities they once took for granted and which we here still do, because to Ukrainians nothing is more precious than freedom from centuries of Russian tyranny. 
Here's Nashawai with Bizvas without you. Next is part two of our interview with Jean Petrozovsky of Ukraine War Amps. In part one, he explained what Ukraine War Amps has been doing and continues to do for wounded Ukrainian veterans and their families. In part two, we'll learn why their work is so critical, why the Ukrainian struggle for independence is not theirs alone, and why and how we should help Ukrainians in their fight for freedom. So... There are news reports all you know on, on the news about lots of government aid, millions, billions of dollars going to Ukraine to help the war effort. Why is it left to Ukraine war amps to get tactical equipment and, and clothing to to defenders? Uh, you know, we started our conversation a little bit with uh, history lessons, talking about history and how important. It could be, although maybe 90% of our time we don't think of history, but some moments it's super crucial. And here the answer is in history too, and if you go back to Cossack time of uh, 
Kazachinov, mm-hmm. the guy who would join Ukrainian Cossack army, he would come with equipment of his own, his own horse, his own sword, or shabla, as we call saber, even his own server who would help him with, with the horse and equipment. So the war we fight in today, it's uh, the war uh, fought by people, by people like uh, pretty much you and I, and you know how much you got involved and you've been there. So you, you met them too, and yeah. I am in touch with them on a daily basis. My impression that entire Ukrainian population standing up against the enemy and fighting the war. Like, uh, if I send you to Pan Kolodzinski for his work, you would find out that to win war like that, you need 100% of your material efforts, 100% of your emotional efforts, 100% of your moral efforts. You need 100% pretty much everything to withstand any aggression like that. That's why probably when we browse to news, we, we can find a lot about volunteers, soldiers, uh, what they do and why they do. We can't just uh, rely on um, governmental institutions. They did what they did. Uh, they succeeded partially. They failed partially. Mm-hmm. So that failure, we are to compensate. Uh-huh. That makes well. That makes sense, and yeah, I think that that people don't understand the extent of war. If we've we've lived in peacetime, so we don't know how war works, right? And what yeah, you just... I would tell you to Ukrainian philosophers like Kolodzinsky and and many others who actually wrote the book a century ago in the yeah. early nineteen hundreds and twenties and thirties and forties. They've been in the shoes. Yeah, they learned a lot, mm-hmm. and they left out their gear. Yeah, and which is good, it, but you know they lived it. We haven't, and and it's one thing to read about it and to imagine what it was like in those days when you're sitting in the comfort of of your home and and no yeah, worries yeah, about about bombs probably, coming or yeah. or mine or mines out in in the in the bush if you want to go and pick berries. So this is. Um, yeah, this is an eye opener for me. <laughs> so you know, so thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, a lot of people sit back here and they watch the news and oh, we're sending billions of dollars. Why is this war still going on? You know, all this kind of stuff. But they don't understand that just sending money doesn't mean that you're going to end the war. Right. And yeah, it's so, much more. It's, yeah. it's everything. Now it's everything. It's much yeah. more than money. It's our capital, material, non-material. It's the people themselves. Yeah, yeah. They they fight with everything they have. Yeah. Their lives, yeah. their families, their apartments, jobs, wherever they used to have may evaporate, may, may be gone with the wind. You know, people fight wherever they can fight. Uh, we've been supporting many veterans within this last nine years, a long nine years. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Within this year, 2022, 20% of them gone. 20% of the guys who you and I been helping during this period of time gone within one year. Many of them joined the army again. And they joined the army instantly and voluntarily. They didn't wait for governmental institutions to call them. Mm. Although many of them are wounded from 2015, 2014, and they know it's supposed to be on the front line again. Right, yeah. But they've showed up in their units like day one or day two. Some of them were working abroad, working in Poland and other places. They came back. They came back right on February 20, 2024, 25th, Thursday. Now, you know, because we are Ukraine war amped, Many of the people supported by our community don't have limbs, uh, leg amputees, arm amputees. Those guys who've been double amputees, no leg, you know, they they didn't evacuate. They actually went 
to uh, volunteer and help the Ukrainian army. They can do a job. They still can drive. They're able to drive using uh, prosthetics. And they deliver food and products needed on the front line. They collect money from their neighbors and uh, friends. They buy stuff they need and they go there. Uh, we have Ruslan Robert, double amputee from Kiev. We have Mikhailo Lupeko, double amputee, no leg. That's what he's doing. He's driving to the front line, delivering the necessities needed there. We have another veteran from Dnipro with a double amputee, no arms. And he's active. He has a connection. He connected with his friend who is currently fighting. He knows what, what's needed. And we help and we all organize together. And we provide support through State Ukraine or Equipa Soldier Club. So this is, you know, to win this war, we all need it. All our efforts. Yeah. All we can do, we have to do. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all together. It's our intention, good will, moral support, the way we behave, and uh, our will, you know, the will. The rest will come. Yeah. That said, that money is still needed because you need to buy fuel, you need to buy food, you need to buy transportation and uh, clothing and other necessities to save lives. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I am going back to history, to Ukrainian history, and I look into a similar situation, and I know that the biggest uh, times in Ukrainian history and biggest achievement of its army, it's uh, not only one thanks to government, it's one thanks to people's will, thanks to unification of everyone. Yeah. Thanks to everyone supporting the common goal. Yeah. Just to dive back into history for a bit, um, Ukraine now is more united than I think it's ever been in probably in the whole history uh, of, of Ukraine, you know, a thousand years plus history, um, thanks to Mr. Putin in the last uh, nine years. I, I want to just project about Ukraine being united uh, as never before. If you allow me mm-hmm. to comment on that. For sure. You know, I, um, I, I live there, I born there. So that's where, you know, I belong. And uh, I never could understand uh, this thing. I've heard it many times from Russian propaganda, from some other places. Uh, and I know that they wanted to see us as uh, not united like a bunch of people who doesn't know what they're doing together. Mm. And I never could I, I, I never could understand why we should uh, actually go with this uh, propaganda idea. I always saw we are united. I always saw that mm. when we voted in 1991 for independence of Ukraine, it was nothing but united vote of the population for the independence. Of course, it wasn't 100%, but democracy never had 100%. Of course, right, yeah. Only Putin regime may come <laughs> up, or Soviet Union, yeah, yeah. could have uh, Stalin and Britain, they could have uh, come up with uh, 100% or 99%. Or 125%, like in Crimea, yeah. Exactly, like that famous joke. Right. So I, I'm telling you, we always been united. If you look into statistics, you can realize that Ukraine's population is like 90%, maybe 70 or 80% Ukrainian. It's not 70, it's like 80 and up percent Ukrainian. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much unification right here. Mm-hmm. Right here, that's the unification. If I call myself Ukrainian, and people who live across the country, a thousand kilometers from me, called himself Ukrainian too, that's been unification. Good point, yeah. We can, we can have different views on uh, Poroshenko, Zelensky, that and that, but we all voted for Ukraine. None of us call itself something else. We identify 
ourselves as Ukraine unification right here. So I'm sorry, but I don't really buy it's my it's probably my opinion, but I don't buy Okay, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's uh, that's you, good. You, I mean I just use my right to have that opinion. And uh, being in Ukraine, look, I traveled a lot. I went to Carpathian Mountains. I talked to people there, you call them Lamkin, Rutuwe, Boyki. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that story. I traveled to Kuban. Kuban is the other side of the Crimean Bridge, yeah? Right. Those people have spoke Ukrainian too, yeah? So, they were saying Ukrainian, same Ukrainian people speaking same Ukrainian. And, uh, you know, people from, we have in here in Toronto, among our supporters, people from Luhansk. They speak Ukrainian, they all live in Ukrainian. All their villages, they all 100% Ukrainian villages. And, you know, about unification, I can tell you, like, uh, on the other side uh, of this story, I knew well-traveled in Canada and the United States. Mm-hmm. You know how diverse Canada and the United States are? Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, you can go Miami or you can go Denver, and you're going to get different experience. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That, that is a good point. Yeah, you know, you are Vancouver Island, and to an end, you can find a big difference. Uh, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So you live in the Winnipeg, too, so yeah. look, again, in Canada, we're all Canadians, but we may have different backgrounds. In Ukraine, the all Ukrainians, all 80%, with the similar background. Uh-huh. It's never the same. Experience yeah. is always different. Right. And in Canada, we say in diversity, our strength. Mm-hmm. So I don't really, uh, I don't buy that unification legend. Uh, for me, it's like main propaganda thing. And also for me, it's the diversity of Ukrainians in Ukraine. It's Ukraine strength. It's a strong side of Ukraine. Yes, for sure. But well, it is. When you think about all the different uh, costumes, the different uh, music, the different foods, yeah. and Peasant care yeah. designs, yeah, yeah. And that, that's how democracy should work. Mm-hmm. W- what do you know about Russia? It's 120 people, 120 languages. But when you see their costume, you see all the last meaningless costume of like uh, average Russian. Mm-hmm. But you have 120 different people. They speak different languages. They have different history, follow different tradition, culture, and religion. But we never see, Russia never represented by 120 costumes. That's true. I I hardly remember only one. So yeah, I I would say Russia is pretty divided and uh, not unified. But Ukraine is actually very consolidated traditionally, religiously, and all the aspects. Well, that's a that's a huge advantage, even despite the disparity in size and uh, and and the resources. Uh, just uh, keep in mind, in fact, I was able to to travel from Kyrgyzstan or Mokachev to Kuban using the same Ukrainian language. Yeah, and they 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 all asked me where you're from. Yeah, because they they saw I'm not speaking okay. exactly what they speak. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that's the key point. Yeah. It's key success to understand what is Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, for people to to, to understand the war better, what what's happening better. Exactly. And, why, you know, why are Ukrainians fighting so ferociously? And why, you know, why are we asking, why are Ukrainians asking for help? And so, and it was very, you made it very clear why, you know, we should not sit back and rely on government for, for that or for anything, actually. Um, other than the, the basics, but um, you you do need help for the two projects now that you've got mostly uh, that you're focusing on is the two, the Save Ukraine and Equip a Soldier. So these are the two areas that you need people to, to help. That's okay. exactly right. Okay. And so 100% of, of donations go to people in need? Yeah. Donations uh, go to donate. We have PayPal account, and some people do it from our email address is ukrainewaramp at gmail.com. Yeah. 
uh, we also do, do not have any office expenses. Right. We do deliver 100% of your support to the beneficiary. Okay. That's very different from many, many organizations. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, for sure. So um, basically an e-transfer or PayPal donation is the best way to, to support your efforts. Yeah, and uh, other ways possible, please get in touch with us. We are on Facebook, Ukraine War Amps. Our website is ukrainewaramps.ca, CA for Canada. Mm-hmm. It's uh, possible to donate through website as well. Okay. Thanks, Jean, for, for your, your great insight for shedding more light on the situation so that we in Canada and uh, listeners around the world can understand uh, the dire situation and the fact that, that we can help in many different ways. So thank you so much, Jean, for sharing that. Thank you, Paulette. It was glad to talk to you. Thank you, Jean. Slavo Karini. Thank you. Hello, Slavo. I was speaking with Jean Berezovsky of Ukraine War Amps in Toronto. Please consider supporting their work in helping the brave defenders of Ukraine ensure freedom in their country for the benefit of the rest of the world. To make a donation to support one of their campaigns, either Save Ukraine or Equip a Soldier, send a donation by e-transfer or PayPal to ukrainewaramps at gmail.com. Visit them on Facebook or their website, ukrainewaramps.ca. Emelek vitoča, mova spivoča, divčata harmenike, jake saladenike, rizni ljudi, dobra vodača, kozak spivaje, duša plače. Kozak Sidamaha, who actually is a modern-day Kozak, like the kind that Jean was telling us about. He has devoted his whole life to defending Ukraine, living in the lifestyle of the Kozakhev old, tearing up his passport. He has no documents. He lives a Spartan lifestyle with his family on the banks of the Dnipro River, bringing up his sons to follow in his footsteps. And when he's not doing music, he is fighting on the front. Kozak Sidamaha, and that was Huliale walking. Up next, from a few years back and happier times, a popular group called Mandre and a story of a girl named Oresia. (laughs) 
Ти не ходи, ходи Орисю на гору на лиску, не ходи, ходи Орисю, а грай на сопілиці. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці, не ходи на лису гору, а грай на сопілиці. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці, не ходи на лису гору, а грай на сопілиці. Бо на горі на листі туман над ярами, бо на горі на листі чорти з відьмаками. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці, там шугає така нечість, що гріхи дивитись. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці, там шугає така нечість, що гріхи дивитись. Чорта роги, круто роги, очі як лещата, жінка в нього чорна жаба, бридка та бусата. Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці. Такі жінки в пенсарстві гвайні молодиці Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці Отакі жінки в пенсарстві гвайні молодиці Чорт зубатий та багатий хоче кльову дівку Може їй платити златом та водить до шинку Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці Не ходи горись на гору, а чекай на приниця Ой, гой, дріці, дріці, ой, гой, дріці, дріці Не ходи горись на гору, а чекай на приниця Canadian-American group uh, from the East Coast of the United States and the Toronto area. That was Corinna from their album Lison, which they released uh, a year or two back. And that was a song about a girl that has a hard time making up her mind about who she wants to go out with. Uparetaku. Nijamev shaskinchila nashu pruramov shachastu domo iskazati dopabachinia. Ala peritem yakhochu zalashitavasti kemislavame mudrostea. Jak chociš le narodu dobrus dobute, to musiš i sam dobrem bute. And our proverb of the week translates as, if you want to do good for your nation, you must be good yourself. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. 
Just a reminder to tune in to the Nanaimo edition of Nosh Holos, which can be heard in the Vancouver listening area on CHLY 101.7 FM, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. If you miss our on-air or live stream broadcasts, you'll find our podcast link at our website, www.noshholos.com. There's also a link to our Patreon site, and I hope you'll consider supporting our work there. As well, you'll find a link to Ukraine War Maps and other reputable charities that are supporting Ukrainians defending their country. Well, our time is about up, so to take us to the end of our program, a popular folk group from Ukraine called Burdon and Kolomeka. I'm Pavlina. On behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening and Dobranich! Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.